0: In today's show, we're talking about day three of NBA free agency. As things start to wind down, we'll go through all of the moves and cover off who the best available players are. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are locked on fantasy basketball your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked on fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So I'm recording this at... 8 p.m. Sunday, June, June, not June, July the 3rd, day three of NBA free agency. Things have started to wind down. This will probably be my last free agency recap show in terms of just recapping the deals that happened. There'll be more shows coming this week, but I just want to give you, just spend two minutes here just to tell you what, sort of what's happening over the next couple of weeks. I will be in the next couple of days, pre-recording a couple of shows that run this week, just talking about winners and losers of free agency. Um, I It looks like I won't be recording anything on Damian Lillard or James Harden being traded at any point um, in the next day or two. We will see where that, that ends up going. And then next week on the show, you will have shows that I've already recorded, five shows pre-recorded because I will be over in Summer League. Now, if you are at Vegas Summer League and you see me there, I'm there the first few days, first three days, um, come up and say, say say hi. Say yep, Don't have to worry about saying hi. Well, not don't have to worry about saying hi. Don't have to worry about bothering me. Come up, say hello if you see me there at Vegas Summer League. I won't be recording pod- podcasts or full YouTube videos while I am in Vegas because it's part of me being... Uh, uh yeah, I'm there working, obviously, but I'm also enjoying a slight vacation slash honeymoon while I'm there. So I won't be recording full videos. But what I will do, stay tuned to my Instagram and to my TikTok I will, and YouTube shorts as well. I will put out probably, sh- obviously, the shorts. I'll put out small clips on things that I see at Summer League. So maybe like a one-minute, two-minute recap of things that I see. So if you want to keep up to that. And then when I come back which will be at the very end of Summer League, after Summer League is over, we'll do a full Summer League recap and we'll go through things. And if something happens while I'm there, like a Lillard trade or Levine is traded or Harden gets dealt, I will do something through one of those platforms, but it won't be a full podcast, almost assuredly, as I find access to a studio, because I'm not taking my equipment over. If you saw what my studio looked like, uh, yeah, it's not possible to do that. So that's the sort of rundown of things that happen. There will still be content coming. It'll be more in the Instagram um, stories, Instagram reels, Instagram uh, or TikToks, uh, YouTube shorts, and through the Twitter account as well as, as what I'm putting out there. So that gets all of that stuff out of the way. Still more shows coming this week. Don't, don't worry about that. If you are on YouTube, and I never say this at the start of the show, hit subscribe. We hit 60,000 subs during the season. Once the season was over, we dropped back down, but we're pushing back up. We're like 40 people away from hitting 60,000 subs. again have a double celebration. So, if you are watching this, hit that subscribe button. It's awesome. I love it when you do it. Let's talk about free agency. Let's talk about the moves that have happened since I last recorded. There's nothing hugely interesting. Some of the things are interesting. I can't remember if I told you who this episode was brought to you by, but I should do it again. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduelcom slash Locked On today to get started. Apologies if I did it twice. Apologies... If I did it late, whoever's listening, you can take whatever apology is applicable to you. Let's talk about these deals. Oni. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Dante Exum. Did not expect Dante Exum to be back in the NBA, but here we are. One year, $2.7 million deal to go back to Dallas. Exum played for Partizan in Europe last season, along with uh, first round, first round, no, early second round draft pick, Tristan Vukcevic. Um... And a lot of former NBA draft picks and NBA players. Matea Lesor was in that Lesor. Mateus Lassau, um, former Sixers big man draft pick. Who else was on that roster? Um, Pistons legend Bolsa Kaprovicca, who was traded to the Clippers. Draft rights was traded to the Clippers two days ago for $2 million. For some reason, I don't know. Celtics draft pick Yamada Israeli point guard, James Nunnally, who we saw in the league, uh, Alan Smiljic from the Golden State Warriors, and Tristan Vukcevic. So, Exum played on that team. Part of what you might have seen Exum for recently was he was the bloke who got body slammed by Gerson Yabasele in that uh, EuroLeague final match against Real Madrid and got absolutely pummeled. Exum had a pretty, pretty strong season. Now, he's not going to start because Kyrie and Luca are there. He's not going to do that, but... The role that like a Frank Nilakina had last season, there's still Jaden Hardy there pretty clearly. But Exum was able to, and I think this is what's important to note, improve his shooting. He still has a lot of issues with his body and injuries and he's not going to be able to play big minutes, but he doesn't have to do that. He's just a guy that I think they can be okay with considering as a rotation player. He shot 39% from three on almost three attempts per game. He got his free throws to 85%. In fact, he's two years in Europe, 84.7% and 84.7%. And he did struggle with that. At times, he averaged three assists a game. He averaged 12 points in 22 minutes for Partizan coming off the bench. He's just a solid, defensive-sized wing guard, point guard who provides insurance that's you know, better than having Theo Pinson run that that uh, offense. So he's back. He's not going to be a fantasy guy. And even if Kyrie or Luca went down with a long-term injury and Exxon became a starter, knock on wood, that's what that noise is, Exum's not a great fantasy accumulator. But I think he has improved his game Enough to be a useful enough NBA player. We just hope that he stays healthy. He's 6'6". He's got size. It's good. I didn't see this one yesterday, but Josh Christopher was a part of the deal where... And I think there's a million teams involved in this deal where Dylan Brooks was moved to Houston as a sign and trade. Josh Christopher moved to Memphis in that deal. Now, Houston has cleared out a bunch of players. Ty Ty Washington, Usman Garuba go to Atlanta. Josh Christopher goes to Memphis. KJ Martin goes to the Clippers. They are doing one of the weirdest off-seasons I've ever seen. And I know I think that Christopher still could have developed into a rotation player. Maybe there's an opportunity for him in Memphis. We'll see what they can do with him. Um, but it's just, it's and, and I put this tweet out yesterday. I said, man, what are the Rockets doing? They had this young core and then they just bury them by bringing in these other players so they can win 10 more games. And people thought I was talking about trading away Washington and Garuba and Christopher. And while I like all those players, that wasn't what I was talking about. I was talking about the fact that now Kevin Porter Jr. is not really going to play. Tari Eason, who was impactful as a second-year player, is not really going to play. First round draft pick, number four overall, Amen Thompson, is not going to play a big role. Cam Whitmore, who they lucked into a pick 20, is not really going to see the floor. And while you can say, well, at some point you've got to get adults in the room, look, what does Dylan Brooks actually do for you? What does Jeff Green do for you? Green in the locker room, I get it, but it's just it's a weird pivot that this doesn't make them a title contender. This doesn't make them a conference finals contender. I don't even think it makes them a top six playoff contender. Whereas I think if you had it still kept developing these younger players in solid enough roles, it would have probably would have worked. But I don't know. There's still more to come with Houston. Anyway, Josh Christopher in Memphis, watch it because they're going to start the season with smart, with Bain. Um and then there is another opening there on the wing. I wouldn't think Christopher would get a nod at starting because Johnny Conchar's still there and there's other guys that can slide in there, but Jar's out. And Christopher's just, it's a little bit of development. Is he ahead of like a Zaire Williams? I think he could be. That's something to watch. Talked, I just quickly mentioned this, Patty Mills. We thought he was going to Houston. He's not. He's ending up in Oklahoma City. They have just a million people on their roster. Mills possibly gets cut. They get a trade exception and a draft pick out of this. They got him. They, they acquired Bertans. They got Victor Oladipo. These are all guys who they just got to bring in with a salary cap um, and to get some draft capital again, but they're not going to use them. This one is important. Eric Gordon goes to the Phoenix Suns on a two-year, $6.5 million contract. Basically a minimum, but a two-year minimum for Eric Gordon. The Suns, while I was a little bit critical of them getting Bradley Beal because not that they gave up a huge amount to do it because they gave up nothing. It was more like there's a little bit of... um, duplicative stats between him and Booker or how do they do they complement each other enough? How does Beal work in a small role? Does he give enough in that area? Is he the sort of player you want? And then the restrictions that came along with getting Beal in terms of the guys that you could sign. But I could not find a better use of free agency for where they were in position with the, the hamstring nature of their team bringing in the guys that they have, including Eric Gordon, who's probably going to get the most minutes off the bench. He'll back up. And will they start Booker and Beal? I think they could, but they could very easily start Payne, Booker, Beal, Durant, Ayton. There's one spot there. It's either going to be Payne or it's going to be a mixture of Bates, Diop, Wayne Wainwright. If I was there, the decision would be between Payne and Bates, Diop. I think Booker can be full-time point guard, and I called for that about four years ago. So I would probably put Bates Diop in there, but they could chuck... They don't even have Tory Craig on this team. They, even go, they could chuck a Kogi out there as well, which would make some sense. But in terms of bench players, I suppose you could even start Eric Gordon. I don't think they would. Eric Gordon is going to get yeah, the, the most minutes. He's not going to be a fantasy-relevant player for standard leagues, but he's going to help. And that bench now is going to have... Well, we've got those four starters, and then it's, let's just say that Payne is the starter. Then there's Bates Diop, there's Drew Eubanks as a backup center. There's Eric Gordon. There's Chemezi Metu. There's uh, Josh Kogi. There's Yuta Watanabe, who actually might be a starting option as well. There's Jordan Goodwin, who's a rotation caliber player. Damian Lee. It's just an unbelievably filled out roster. Now, if I'm looking at my numbers here, they've got 15. Their roster's full, so I'm going to guess that Tumani Kamara will be on a two-way for them, and that's their 16 guys. That's uh, honestly just an unbelievable free agency given the restrictions that Phoenix had. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball, hey, and NBA Summer League, than FanJul, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit fanjul.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanjul.com slash locked on. FanJul, official partner of Major League Baseball. What do you think of the Suns offseason? Would you put them as favorites? I Look, I am going to do a show on this that might come tomorrow or the day after. Which teams got better? Which teams got worse? The Suns got better. The Nuggets got worse. So where does that put them? The Lakers got better, I think. I think they they probably did get better. So are they the clear top three teams in the West? Memphis, probably worse. But maybe not. Like Marcus Smart's an upgrade over Tyus Jones. So Did they get better? A lot of that stuff hinges on Jaya and the injury status for Steven Adams but yeah you know, there's a lot of teams getting better in the west it's going to be and denver at this point you have to argue they got worse they made a signing today which we'll talk about but they have so far gotten worse which is not great Cody Zeller goes to New Orleans one year minimum salary he barely, look he was in Utah's camp at the start of the season last year and then he was cut and then he signed in like end of march for the heat and he was their backup center so the heat me recording this now, I do not know what's happening with Damien Lillard. We assume that he is favored to go there, but with the way that things currently stand, the Heat have taken owls. Owls all over the place in free agency. Gabe Vincent gone, Max Struess gone, Cody Zeller gone. They Yes, they brought in Thomas Bryant, but come on. Look, they, they have taken owls. Now, that could all change if Lillard comes in, and maybe that is a huge W for them, probably is. But so far, the Heat are a big L in terms of free agency. Zeller, they had Jackson Hayes and Billy Hernan Gomez backing up Valentunas. Hayes has gone to the Lakers. Hernan Gomez currently remains unsigned. Zeller is probably an upgrade over those guys. You don't want him to be a big-minute player, but 20 minutes a night, maybe not even 15 minutes a night with Larry Nance playing some center, I think that actually strengthens their big-man rotation. Lonnie Walker goes to the Nets, a one-year deal. I don't know the money on this. It hasn't been reported anywhere. Was it a minimum? Was it like an exception signing, like a $6 million? I don't know what it was. It's one year. Walker got the uh, mid-level one-year deal with the Lakers last season. They couldn't go over 120% of his contract to re-sign him, but they could have re-signed him, I'm guessing, at the price that Brooklyn did, and they chose not to. Lonnie Walker is definitely, to me, in the class of players, Mo Bumba and Cam Reddish captain this squad, of the players that people will tell you are great and they just need a chance. I will never believe it. For Lonnie Walker, he has had a chance. He has played five years in the NBA. Two different teams. He just isn't particularly good. He had an opportunity this year who started for the Lakers. He had a really hot streak early in the year. He had a knee injury, but he also had fallen out of favor before that and was out of the rotation at the end of the season. Had one strong quarter in the playoffs. But he's a guy with a waxing and waning shot who doesn't really do anything else. He doesn't defend. He doesn't pass. He's not a rebounder. And he's inconsistent with his shooting. The Nets are still in a weird situation. They're probably going to start Dinwiddie, Bridges, Johnson, Finney Smith, Claxton with O'Neal coming off the bench. And then you've got Dennis Smith, Cam Thomas, and Lonnie Walker as backup guards. Walker would need 35 minutes a night and be the number one option on a team to be a fantasy relevant guy or a number two option on a team. And that's just not going to happen there in Brooklyn. Is he an okay depth piece? Yeah, I don't. If I was them, and I am not a huge Cam Thomas believer, I'd play Cam Thomas over him. Thomas to me has got way more potential, and is a better shooter and probably and, and clearly a better scorer than Walker. Yes, he's worse at some other things, but not that much worse. So I don't mind bringing him in one year, cheap deal, rotation piece. They lost Seth Curry and Joe Harris as well, so there are some minutes there for him on the wing, the two or the three, whatever you want to say. But he's not a guy that's going to be an impact player, I don't think. I said that the Nuggets made a move. They did. They bring in Justin Holiday on a one-year minimum salary deal. Holiday's been. If you guys playing that game uh, crossover, the game it's like that um, immaculate grid for baseball, a little bit different where you got to have the three columns and match the teams of guys that have played for both teams. He, Justin Holiday's a goat in that, like he's played for so many teams. Him, Ish Smith, Jeff Green, chuck them in all those different spots and they match so many of those different um, situations. Rob Covington's getting to that spot as well. Um, Holiday had been this solid guy who was a forty percent shooter who could defend okay, but was often overrated by teams. But to me, he's he I thought he looked dreadful last season. I think I think he's cooked. I thought he looked pretty bad in Atlanta. He came to Dallas and reputation alone got him starting those first two games. And then Jason Kidd did a good thing and went, oh no, oh no, and took him out of the rotation. He's everything should be there. Like he's a six-five-ish, six, four, six five shooting guard small forward who has had 40% three-point shooting seasons from three in the past and has been a good defender. Unfortunately. He's not a good defender anymore. He is, he has just it's again those guys who are much like we go back to Phoenix, talk about Tory Craig, who are older players who have these little runs we go, Oh, that's interesting, that's nice. Yeah, you would fit on a winning team. He's actually 6'6, sorry, not 6'5. You fit on a winning team, you did some okay things, but as soon as you start to hit that peak, and Holiday is now 34, and you've gone past your prime, the drop-off becomes significant. And that happened last season. He shot 32% from three only. He played 15 minutes again. The only two games he started were the two games with Dallas. He averaged under half a steal a game. The numbers just dropped significantly. So he's just not good anymore. He's not the level that Bruce Brown was. I would definitely be playing Christian Brown over him. And I would hope that like a Julian Strouder, can beat out Justin Holiday for some other rotation minutes, take the Christian Brown roll the 10 minutes a night. And I think that Peyton Watson should be getting the Jeff Green minutes there in Denver. So Holiday, while we've heard the name, he's been useful, he's played 10 years in the league, he's had some good moments. I I think he's I think he's cooked, I think he's rooted. And their bench consisting of him, who's finished, DeAndre Jordan, who's finished, Reggie Jackson, who's finished, is it's a little it's a little worrisome. Yes, there are still very good players on this team. But when your moves are bringing back Jordan, bringing back Jackson, springing in Holiday, and I think reaching for Hunter Tyson in the draft, reaching for Jalen Pickett in the draft, and Stroud, not a bad pick. It's an hour of an offseason so far. I expect Watson to step up and be pretty good in a backup role. I think Christian Brown is going to be solid into a Bruce Brown sort of role. But yeah, they got worse, I think, at this point. I think they got worse. Malcolm Cazalon signed with the Pistons on a two-way. I was a little bit surprised that Cazalon didn't get drafted. And I thought, oh, maybe he didn't get drafted because there was word from his agents that he wanted to go back to Europe and he wasn't going to come over. But no, he's, he's playing for the Pistons on a two-way. He is a French 6 wing slash forward, which the Pistons need. Right, they're, they're, They went from a team having everyone's a center to now everyone's a point guard. They still need a power forward because Isaiah like Stewart's not it, and Bojan Bogdanovich should be traded. Um, and Kazlan's not going to play tons. He's a two-way guy. But there's upside here. He's 21. He only shot 32% last season, so that needs to be worked on. But he's almost like a typical European wing sort of player. A shot that can be iffy. He can pass. He can defend. I think he's a, I think he's an interesting guy to take a two-way, and I think that when we look at the Pistons' roster... I. Th- Think he's probably he's better than the guys I had last year in a two-way, Buddy Bayheim in particular. But could he develop into a player that ends up better than Isaiah Livers? And I like Isaiah Livers. Maybe. Is he you know he's not gonna play because they've got Joe Harris, they've got Livers, they've got a Sartre I said they didn't have wings, that's not fair. They, they those guys can fit that role. But I think it's just a good move to get someone like Casalon. And again, I will always be critical of the Pistons because I think their overall team building stuff is bad most of the time. But getting Monte Morris for literally nothing was a good move. Getting Malcolm Cazalon. On a two-way, I think is a strong move. Some of their other stuff, iffy, iffy. Let's let's talk about players who stayed in the same place. Big, big signing for DeMontis Sabonis. Five years, $217 million renegotiation and extension. That's like about 195 extra new money. They bumped his salary for this season up, I think eight or nine million. Um, it's not quite the max he could have taken as they were at pains to point out to help their... Uh, Team building. My question with the Kings is, and I know I've seen so much Danish backhanding of Monty McNair. What a GM. Unbelievable. He's been awesome. And, okay. I don't agree. What did they do? They traded away pick 24 to get off of Rashawn Holmes to do what? They didn't bring anybody in. They traded for Chris Duarte. Okay, fine. They re-signed their own free agent in Trey Lyles, which they had bird rights on. They re-signed their own free agent in Harrison Barnes, who they had bird rights on. They renegotiated and extended their All-NBA center, who was quite bad in the playoffs. And one of my criticisms of the Halliburton-Sabonis trade for the Kings was, is are you just doing this trade so you can get into the playoffs? And that's successful because I think Halliburton on a Halliburton. I think Sabonis' ceiling is lower than Halliburton's, and Sabonis' defensive issues and fit problems are gonna cause real problems when you get into the playoffs. Now that's not to say that it'll always be the case, but that literally is exactly what happened last season. And you gave away a draft pick, cost-controlled draft pick of a guy that I think would have fit pretty bloody nicely on this team in Omax Prosper eventually, to actually do nothing. You could have done every one of those moves. They brought in Sasha Vesenkov as well. Again, they had his draft rights. That's he's a good player. I like Vesenkov, but I think every single now maybe I'm wrong. There's some cap person out there that tells me they couldn't have brought back, um, they couldn't have brought Vesenkov over or traded for Duarte without giving up pick 24. Then okay, but I I believe that they could have done every single one of their off-season moves, and maybe they couldn't have even maybe they couldn't have extended or renegotiated and extended Sabonis. bonus. They didn't need to. He was under contract. And yes, he was a free agent next off season, but they could have still just, if he's willing to go five years now, why wouldn't he have been willing to sign the extension or sign the, the new contract next offseason? season? It doesn't appear like he wanted to leave. He seems pretty comfortable there. It's like, did they sign him here to hoodwink it? Well, oh, we've got you now. You never go anywhere. And he, and he would have just left last time. Because if he wanted to leave in the offseason, next offseason, he wouldn't have signed this. Surely. I know things can change in 12 months. But, I don't see a single move that they made that they couldn't have made without giving up pick 24 for literally nothing. Will we we'll, and maybe maybe they could not, and I'm pretty sure they could have bought him Vesenkov. I think it was an exception. They brought him over. Maybe the one thing they couldn't do was actually just renegotiate up Sabonis' contract, which they didn't need to do. So while they probably do get better, they lose Terrence Davis. Well, I think they've lost Terrence Davis. They probably are slightly better just for bringing Bezenkov over. But you gave up an asset when you didn't have to. And that was my fear that they in the past when they were trading away picks and pick swaps so they could go and sign free agents and end up with Rajon Rondo. I said, I hope it doesn't end up being that. And it looks like they cleared cap space and didn't know why they were. Maybe I'm completely off on this. But with the West, again, getting stronger, Phoenix getting better. The Lakers getting better. Did the Kings get better? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. The man on the street, Jordan Clarkson. J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Renegotiates and extends as well. He opted into his player option. He's got three years total now, $55 million left over. He was a guy that people were very, very hesitant to draft last season. Man, they're going to tank. He's going to get traded definitely. And this is one of those ones that I got right because I said, hey, look, I heard from Utah that He's not being traded. They love him here, and they want him on this team. And that was clearly the case. And he was pretty solid. And the and this is what I said last week, I think, when they traded for John Collins. So this trade for John Collins indicates to me that they will be keeping Jordan Clarkson, and they are pushing back for the playoffs. Here we go. They are This deal is tradable at some point. It won't be this season. It, it, it's not a bad deal. Clarkson's totally okay. But what it does do is guys that people thought had these huge, big moments as rookies like Osha Abaji in particular, he's not going to get to play. There, there's, sorry, that's not true. He will play, but he's not going to get a role because their starting lineup, I would guess, is Colin Sexton, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Markkinen, John Collins, Walker Kessler with a bench that includes Kelly Linick, Abaji, Horton Tucker, Hendricks Linick. Did I say Linick twice? Um, there's Keontae George and Bryce Sensibor. I don't know where they're going to play. But, Guys like Abaji who put up okay numbers when a bunch of guys were injured at the end of last season, he doesn't have a clear path to do that this year. So I think the Jazz got better by mainly just bringing John Collins in for nothing. That's an improvement for them. The guys who started to put together some numbers, even like a Chris Dunn who put together good numbers. Chris Dunn might be better than Colin Sexton. Um, It's a little bit squishier now on that team. Alex Len goes back to Sacramento, one-year minimum deal. Again, could have done that without sending out your draft pick. He actually, for a guy that was out of the rotation early in the season, um, stepped up at the end and took over from Chemezi Metu, who's now in Phoenix, and from um, Rashawn Holmes, who's now in Dallas. His sort of resurgence, ascension towards the end of the year, Len, um, it did limit what Trey Lyles was able to do. Lyles was playing a lot of backup four, backup five, and then Len came in and started playing the five, and that limited what Lyles could do. So they're both back. It makes the team strong and deep and gives them good reserves. It's not a game changer. It's just the same guy back on the team. Jared Roden signs another two-way with the Pistons. I'm not really convinced that he's a strong NBA player. Um, Luca Garza goes back to Minnesota. We know he can score, and when there are opportunities there, he will go out and put up numbers. He does get cooked a little bit defensively, but he can shoot. Might as well have him there. He's not going to play much with Gobert, Towns, Nas Reid coming back, the Wizard of Noz. And then the other one, which I've left till now because I don't know. I just didn't want to highlight him. <laughs> That's Yeah, you know what? That's not true because I put him on the thumbnail because it is important. Miles Bridges. Is back with the Hornets. Miles Bridges signs the 7.9 million dollar qualifying offer, and there are I've got a, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Miles Bridges did some pretty shitty things. That pretty shitty is understating. It was disgusting, and I have no sympathy for him whatsoever. Right, disgusting stuff. And you can tell me, oh yeah, we all make mistakes. Bashing the shit out of the mother of your kids in front of them. It's it's not a it's not, it's not a mistake that people make. Right, it's, it's shit. I don't know what was going on for him. Has he served the punishment? I get, like, maybe. What punishment did he have? Some community service? He didn't play all of last season. Sure, he's got a 10 or 20-game suspension. 10-game suspension to start this season. Um, But I, I he, he was very, very solid as a player the year before that. Really, really good. But what this indicates to me is that the arrival of the new owners in Charlotte, or the, again, ascension into power of those guys. And we talked about this last week saying there were some rumors that they weren't particularly keen on him being back. This is almost, and please please understand what I'm trying to say here, this is almost best-case scenario for Charlotte. You don't go out there and offer him four years, $50 million. You don't and people go, man, why are you paying this guy this much? You have the tender that's out there, which I, I think I would have felt better about just pulling it and going, well, you know, just being, under, we don't want you on this team. But the ball was in his courts. You didn't actually go out and technically offer him a contract. He just signed the restricted tender. That's it. And he's back on a one-year deal, which I believe he can't be traded on. And then he hits the open market next season. But what this also shows is that the NBA is a general rule. The NBA didn't, there was no market for him because he could have gone and signed an offer sheet with any team has to be 3 years to sign an offer sheet but I'm guessing most teams are like no we don't we'll sign you 3 years 3 years 10 million that's that's me making up not reporting that but that's what I feel like might have happened he said well I'll just sign the 7.9 million qualifying offer and become unrestricted we'll see if another year being back in the spotlight rehabilitates his image and other teams want to take uh, a reduced PR hit the next summer versus this summer and the hornets where does he fit now? So their lineup, Lamelo, Terry Rozier, Mark Williams, Brandon Miller. you think that's four of their five starters. Although, Steve Clifford in the past has been unbelievably reluctant to play rookies. He has been on coaching teams who have had the fourth overall pick, Cody Zeller. The sixth overall pick, Mohamed Bamba. There's another guy in there that I can't really think. And he does not play them minutes. Mark Williams was a third string center until January. Eventually, he got the job towards the end of the year. So, Brandon Miller's competition is going to be Bridges and it's going to be Gordon Haywood. So, while it makes sense that Miller should start, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he plays 26 minutes off the bench. Bridges returning, I would guess he'd be the favorite to start at the four, but what does this mean for P.J. Washington Jr.? Because he's still a restricted free agent. He was their starter at the four last season. Are they going to prioritize Bridges, who they... Don't appear to have great um, value on bringing back long term because they would have signed into a longer term deal. Does Bridges just stay as a reserve, even though he's a better player than Haywood? He's a better player than Miller? He's a better player than Washington right now. I, I assume, one year out of the game, I assume he's still that good. So it is an interesting scenario. This doesn't automatically make Miles Bridges a top 50 fantasy player that he was back two years ago because there's still some uncertainty of how the Haywood, Miller, Washington, Bridges, all those four guys, how they're going to work into the 96 minutes that are available at the four and the three. Still some question marks there. And I don't know what happens with Washington. And that brings us to talking about the best players. Well, not the best. This isn't in order either. But the players who are available still in free agency. PJ Washington's up there. restricted free agent. He's wildly inconsistent. I think he's an okay defender. He's quite short. He's not a great rebounder. The shooting's all over the place. But I think he's worth it. If I was a, if I was the Bulls, I'd be trying to get him in. I don't think they can with their contract or their cap situation. Um, yeah, the Spurs did plenty of teams like. Currently, the Miami Heat's power forward still is Caleb Martin. PJ Washington there would be awesome. I don't think that, they can't do it. It needs to be weird side and trade sort of stuff. It's a whole bunch of stuff that will need to happen. But Washington's an okay player. He's probably a starting caliber player and could get pushed into a very small role this season depending on how restricted-free agency plays out. And the same goes with Grant Williams, who I think would be awesome in San Antonio, whether he would start next to Wenbin Yama or play 25 minutes off the bench behind Wenbin Yama and Collins, I don't know. He is a guy that's never going to be a fantasy great option, Grant, but he's available and I don't think he's back in Boston to be their fourth big man behind Porzingis, Rob Williams, and Al Horford. Christian Wood's available. It's rough to be a big man is what we talk about a lot in drafting, in fantasy, but also drafting in real life, is there are so many solid... not Unless you're an elite, elite big man, Embiid, Jokic, those guys are game changers, right? Unless you're an elite, elite big man, there's just so many mid big men. You can find 50 of them who could all start and play 24 minutes. And Christian Wood's one of them. Grant Williams is one of them. PJ Washington's one of them. And that suppresses their market. And that's why when you overspend on centers, that I'm going to be critical. And that's back to the Sabonis stuff, he's not on the Embiid-Jokic level. He's he's very good. He's not on that level. So does that end up somewhat of an overpay? Wood's available. His defense is atrocious. We know he can score. If he ends up on a really bad team, he will put up numbers. But I, I, I can't see a great fit for him at this point. Kelly Oubre. The guy that is, seems destined to be one of the last players signed in free agency. When he came to Charlotte the first time, he was, you know, he signed in like September on some weird deal and really elevated last season because Ball was out, Haywood was out, Bridges was gone. Martin was out all season. He is quite a bad fantasy player who took advantage of the opportunity to score 20 points per game last season. He is, to me, a very clear reserve player. He'll find a role somewhere as a sixth or seventh man, but I doubt he's a fantasy option. Dario Saric is available. Still too. Another big man who's just solid enough. Reserve big man, starting big man. Power forward, center, probably more center. Shooting goes back and forward. Defense is below average probably. But he's an okay player. He's a rotation player. He's got a spot somewhere. Io is a restricted free agent. I don't think he's back in Chicago. Yes, they lost Pat Beverly, but they brought in Javon Carter and they re-signed Kobe White and there is Alex Caruso there. So I'm not sure that Chicago looks to bring him back. I am very much more down on Desumu than others. Although I do think he would make sense, like if he went to San Antonio, really solid backup or minute split guy with Trey Jones, I'd be looking into that as San Antonio. And I don't love Desumu as a player. I think he is destined to be a backup in the NBA. Paul Reed, restricted free agent. I think the Sixers should be looking to bring him back to be their backup behind Embiid. I think they will. It won't be a big contract. It might be like three years, fifteen or something. Malik Beasley's available. He is a shooter, and that is it. He's one of the best at getting shots up that don't always go in, and he sucked in LA. He had some moments at times in Minnesota and sometimes in Utah, but ideally he's a bench scoring guard who needs the shots to go in. And you worry that if that shooting's not there, he's basically unplayable, basically unplayable, because his defense is terrible. But he's available, and he will be signed somewhere, I'm sure. And then we get in, hold on to your dicks, guys. We get into a bunch of other centers who are available. Mo Bumba. One, two, three, four, five. Bumba is, like I said earlier, he's in that group of players that everyone thinks he just needs a chance, man. Mo Bumba is okay. He is okay. He can sort of shoot, he can block shots. He's a bad defender. His basketball IQ seems on the lower side. He can't pass. He's a black hole. He gets cooked too much, but he puts up highlight plays. Man, we just need a big man who blocks shots and shoot threes. That's really good if you're Kristaps Porzingis. But Bamba just takes so much off the table. If you bring him in as a third center, I'm never going to argue with you on that. If you bring him in as a backup to play 15, 16 minutes a night, totally okay. Totally okay. The reason the Magic got the first overall pick to draft Polo Banquero is they played Mo Bamba as a starter. And he's not that player. He can be okay, but he's just all over the place in terms of um, consistency and defense and even shooting. The theory is there, but we've seen it, haven't we? Like, I just don't think he's ever developing into a starter. The cockroach Mason Plumlee. There's some talk that the Clippers would consider moving on from Ivica Zubats, bringing back Plumlee and making him a starter. And what is the chokehold that Mason Plumlee has over the NBA? He is okay. I don't think he's very good defensively. He's not a great rim protector. He's an okay passer. But if you're running your offense through Mason Plumlee, then you're going to have a bad offense. It's like one of those things. Well, he can actually pass. He can. But in order for him to do that, he needs the ball. And that makes the whole offense shit house. Um, big steps forward for him in his free throw shooting last season with a weird lefty push. Absolutely strong as a backup center. No problem. But as you've seen, there's a lot of backup big men around who you can bring in. And he is older. He's not going to be the guy that we saw at the beginning of last season with Charlotte putting up those big minutes. MC Hamadou Diallo. Have time. He's basically a center in a 6'6 body. Um, very, very good defender. Horrible offensive player. Can't shoot. Need him to play basically like Houston Rockets' Russell Westbrook with all shooters around him. I think teams should have... He's, he's young. They should have a look somewhat as an energy defensive guy, but he's... If you're playing him more than 20 minutes a night, you're going to be bad. Tory Craig, maybe he's just a little bit too old and guys like Cade Bates-Diop um, replace him. Yeah, the drafting of Kamani, uh, Tamani Kamara probably signaled the end of Craig. He'll probably end up... He only seems to play for two teams. It's Phoenix or Indiana. Is he going to end up in, back in Indiana? Maybe. Don't think he's going to have a strong role though. I like these next two players a lot. Terrence Davis. That's not true. Terrence Davis, real ship bloke energy. Not quite as bad as Bridges, but shipload charges for him when he's up in Toronto. I think he can be a decent NBA player, but he's never really had that. He's never really stuck anywhere, and there's reasons for that. I think Lindy Waters, who I don't know why Oklahoma City retracted his qualifying offer. I think he look. If we had this is okay. If you had to make a decision between Lindy Waters or Malik Beasley, I'm I might take Waters taking into consideration that you won't have to pay him as much. Equivalent shooter. I'm pretty sure they're the same height. Waters is younger. I don't know. I think he's being a little bit... Yeah, Waters is six. Foot six he's 25. He shot... He shot 36% from three in... on five attempts per game. Playing 15 minutes a night. Like, that is volume. Volume. There are issues with the rest of his game, but... He's a minimum guy. I, the way that Thunder developed him and especially Isaiah Joe, Waters can be that guy on another team. Bismack Biombo, still a really strong rim protector, but obviously older and offense is disgusting. But another big man that you can bring in and say, okay, if you need to get out there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 19 minutes and do something, I feel okay about it. Svima Luke, I would sort of said he was done and then ended in Charlotte when they shut everybody down and started and played well. Now, he's not a starter. He's not going to get a starting role anywhere. But I thought Svi was really, really solid and probably should be looked at as a backup third shooting guard sort of a player. Interesting sort of guy. The last group of guys, there are a few names here I think are interesting. Javante Green. Maybe his knee is just rooted. He was better than Patrick Williams last season. He's like an undersized power forward. Think even like Hamadou Diallo, but better offense. I, I w- if I'm a good team, if I'm Denver, this is what I would have prioritized over Justin Holliday. He is a guy that should sign with a playoff type of team, and he can be useful. Jalen Noel, with the uh, bringing in of Shake Milton, resigning signing of Alexander-Walker, doesn't look like he's back in Minnesota. There is scoring, very much scoring upside. He did have some disappointing moments. I still think he's worth a flyer. Trenton Watford was weirdly cut by the Blazers. He had some moments. He can't really seem to stay healthy. He's probably a little bit undersized to play the five. I would absolutely be giving him a shot. Like the Celtics brought in O'Shea Brissett. I think Watford's way better than O'Shea Brissett. But that's the sort of situation where I think Watford can thrive. Terence Ross, yeah, I fear he might be cooked. Struggled with the Suns. Didn't play well with the Magic. A shooter who hasn't shot well for a while. I wouldn't be prioritizing him. I would be looking at Dom Barlow, who played as a two-way guy for the Spurs. Hasn't been brought back yet. Probably will be but a big man from overtime elite who's got some defensive chops. Tao Maladon, much like Svim Hiluk, thought he played okay towards the end of last season. And when you're looking for a third-string point guard, uh, he can hold up in that role, maybe even a backup. He's, a, he's an okay player. Anthony Lamb, um, we saw Ty Jerome get signed by the Cavs. Lamb, I thought, was played way too much by Steve Kerr last season. The Warriors should not bring him back, and he's also got real shiplock tendencies too. But he is available. I don't think I'd prioritize him. And then Winyan Gabriel, who I thought showed some flashes as well for the Lakers last season. And just another big man with some bounciness, maybe some shooting upside, probably does deserve to be on an NBA roster somewhere. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the order, app and on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.